listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to the final episode of the Testudo Times Podcast in the calendar year 2016. It's episode 69. Because this year has been so bad in so many ways, I decided it would be fine and fair if we ended this show on a nice note. And if you're wondering, yes, I still am a child. I'm joined by a couple of people tonight. First of all, Matt Allentuck, who has recently graduated. Uh, Matt, how does it feel? Uh, very, very weird. It felt, That's the way, it felt the same way for me. It, it is a strange feeling, but you're still living on campus for the next half year, aren't you? Oh, yeah. My life will be Maryland basketball now. That's good. It's it, there are better teams, there are worse teams you could have your life centered around. That is true. And the special guest on this show is somebody we had on a couple times last year to help us talk about the conference basketball season because there's a lot of teams and a lot of weird stats, weird records. We got to digest all of that. So Thomas Bendit is here, live from somewhere inside the Chrysler Center. Uh, hi, Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going very well. We have a lot of Big Ten basketball things to discuss. Uh, a lot of them weird. I don't, I don't know. Have you ever seen like a this had a conference schedule in the Big Ten has been very strange. Have you seen anything like it in your time following this conference? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, a couple of years ago, I want to say it was 2012-13. Um, it was that was the year the Big Ten was just loaded. Uh, Michigan had Trey Burke and Hardaway. Indiana had Zeller and Old Depot. Um, that year was pretty wild just because you had so many top 25-ish teams. Um, this year doesn't quite have that, but it seems like everybody's at least competent, um, which, which kind of makes for some interesting schedules. Um, if anybody is a Ken Palm subscriber... Uh, yes, we look are. At the- we love Ken Palm on this website. <laughs> um, if you look at the old Ken Palm schedule for, uh, you know, Maryland or whoever, it's like every team's in the top 100. Uh, so it's it's really interesting. Um, there's going to be a ton of 50-50 games this year. I will definitely say that. It will be fun. So what we're going to do on this show is we're going to preview the conference, obviously with a Maryland slant, and we'll talk about how the Terps match up against all of these teams, and eventually we'll get into how many games that they could win in conference. And I think the start, the big takeaway for me in at a conference play is the good teams, the teams, Thomas, that we thought were going to be really good are really good. Uh, there are some teams that have very interesting records thanks to their out-of-conference schedules, which were subpar, we'll say that. And then there are a couple of teams that fall into a very interesting category. So I want to start, I guess, with your the big story for you out of out-of-conference play for all of the Big Ten teams is what? The big story. Um... Yeah, I mean, I I would say the the big storyline for me, at least covering the Big Ten, is I, you know, I know I, I just a couple of minutes ago I was talking about how every team's decent, um, but even with that, I think this is kind of a down year for the Big Ten, um, at least in terms of top twenty-five really quality teams. Um, I I still think they're going to get a decent hunk in the NCAA tournament. I think they have a couple that can make a deep run in March, but I, I think there's a lot of meh <laughs> this year, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, and I think that's 
you know, you've you've already seen th- three, four, maybe even more than that. Teams get upset. Uh, Northwestern was on the ropes the last I looked tonight. Um, it, it just looks like there's a lot of more like NIT quality teams than NCAA quality. Mich- teams. Michigan State has to surprise you a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a that's a perfect example. Um, you, you know the Spartans uh, obviously have struggled. I, I know early on the thought process was, uh, you know, in typical Tom Izzo fashion, you know, scheduling re- really tough teams out of the gate. You know, they had Arizona. They had Kentucky. Um, so you can kind of excuse some of those losses, but certainly, you know, going down to Northeastern at home last weekend and nearly losing to Oakland last night, um, not great signs for the Spartans. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say undeniably they're the most disappointing team so far, um, and I think they fit into that bigger picture of uh, kind of disappointing overall in the conference. But Yes. Yeah. It's that's weird, but you, I still wouldn't discount them making a run to the Sweet 16 anyway because this is Michigan State. Yes, <laughs> I think that's how it always works with Tom Izzo coach teams. So let's move on to starting with Maryland and where they they fall into this conference picture. I think before the season, they everybody thought, all right, they're going to be somewhere in the middle of the pack. They're not anywhere near as good as the big boys, but they're not bad by any stretch. They've got plenty of talent. That's got to work itself out, and they have enough of a conference out of conference schedule to fatten up on it. And I don't think there's anything that we saw in out of conference play that changes that view for you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was kind of my concept coming in. I think I was a little bit higher on the Terps than a lot of people. Um, I had them fourth in the conference, but uh, or did I have them? No, I had them fifth. Sorry, excuse me there. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I've coming into the year, I viewed, you know, you had tier one, you had Indiana, Wisconsin, Purdue, and at the time, Michigan State, who has obviously fallen off a cliff. But um, uh, and then I thought you had Maryland in that mix. I thought they were going to end up being the best, you know, with an experienced player with Trimble and, and obviously the great home court advantage. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're in that mix. I don't necessarily think they're significantly better than any of those middle teams, but I don't think they're significantly worse either. Um, I think, again, not to keep harking back to that, but I think there are going to be a lot of 50-50 games, and, uh, which may excite Maryland fans considering uh, they seem to have a knack for winning close games lately. Yeah, I think that that's going to be fun. If, if a lot of games end up close, I think Maryland will probably end up winning more than they lose just because they are the luckiest team on earth, apparently. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it is amazing how many times they escape with their lives, and this has been Ever since they joined the Big Ten, this has been a thing. Mm-hmm. Multiple times I can remember crazy conference games where Maryland escaped with their lives. That one Northwestern game a couple of years ago where they had no business winning that game and somehow managed to do so. It's bananas. Um, <laughs> I think that the biggest story for me, I think, in, in terms of where Maryland falls in, uh, Matt, as, as Thomas has been saying, is there's just a lot of meh in the conference. And the top three teams are really good, and it seems – that they're a cut above everybody else, but the Maryland gets two of the three at home. And as we know, Maryland at home, it's the great equalizer, and it's hard to win on the road in college basketball, but with Maryland having lost, what, three games at home since they joined the Big Ten, playing Indiana at home early in conference play and then Purdue later, it gives them a chance to, to get those resume-boosting wins, and because the conference isn't terrible, they don't have bad, like, awful teams in it, there aren't many chances that Maryland's going to have for a quote-unquote horrible loss like they had last year with Minnesota. 
Yeah, um, that's all true. Uh, we we know historically that Maryland's been pretty good, pretty good at home. Uh, but I mean, it it's pretty hard not to say Maryland's been at, at the least disappointing through thirteen games this season. Uh, there's, I mean, there's definitely calls for alarm in College Park. I think we've all kind of realized that at this point is. Maryland's played 13 full 13 games and and zero complete games, zero games that anyone's ever said, "Hey, Maryland's pretty good." I mean, they've pretty much been clawing themselves away, you know, late in games that they had no business in and you know, they're 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 fine middle of the road middle of the Big 10 team like we've been saying before and like we said before the season, but I think people also have to realize that this 12 and one team could just as easily be seven and five or, or eight and four at this point with just the amount of ridiculous close games that Mel Trimble's been able to pull them out of. Yeah, that is definitely true. I can remember my freshman year. This is 2012-13 when Maryland was still in the ACC. They fattened up on a terrible out-of-conference schedule. It was just kind of like this year. It was just awful. They had that close game. I think it was against Kentucky who turned out to be bad that year. And we thought, hey, this team might be good. And it turned out that they were pretty mediocre in the ACC and ended up, that was the team that made it to the NIT Final Four. I think they lost to Iowa, oddly enough. But, uh, you know, it could very likely be that team this year. But Thomas, as, as we said, Maryland, they, their schedule favors them because they don't have to play any of the really good teams twice. The best team that they got to play twice is what? Ohio State? Like, that's pretty favorable, all things considered. And as I said, they get two of the big three at home. I think the schedule sets up pretty nicely for them on paper, all things considered. Now, because it's Maryland, they might end up, again, blowing games that they should win or winning games that they have no business winning. But I think the schedule, just on paper, kind of plays friendly for them, don't you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I think that was something that, you know, got a lot of talk in the off season. And I, I think it's held up so far, you know, especially with those those uh, three teams being projected to be really well or really good um, and ending up to be pretty good so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm not at all predicting Maryland will win the conference title because I, I frankly don't think that will happen. But um, every time I, I've been writing about it, I've always said, you know, uh, Maryland is the dark horse just because of that schedule and because – Again, I, I don't want to act like just because the games are at home, they're going to win them automatically. But Maryland has a great home court advantage, and that means a lot in those 50-50 games. And it means a lot when you're facing teams that, you know, Northwestern, uh, Illinois, teams like that, which I, I think it, it really makes a difference in, in games like that. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think the schedule sets up really well. The one thing which I think I actually talked with Matt about this on our season preview pt powerhouses season preview podcast um but it the downside of it though is maryland really needs to cash in on those big game opportunities um because at, at least looking now they're only going to have a shot at three uh i'm you know what four marquee wins if you assume the big 10 only has three top 25 teams um which if they lose all of those i i think you could end in they could end up on the bubble just because they won't have a ton of quality wins. So I would say that's the one downside. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I think the schedule is really favorable for, for the Terps. Okay, let's talk about the most important thing in the Big Ten uh, for, in the out-of-conference play that's going to alarm some people when they look at the standings. 
uh, Rutgers and Minnesota each have one loss. We're recording this Thursday night before Rutgers could easily get its second loss when they play an actually good basketball team. Uh, but both of those teams, as we remember from a year ago, were just train wrecks, and Maryland still lost to Minnesota. Uh, and now they only have one loss and out of conference play. They obviously played nobody. And this is kind of, I guess, emblematic of the theme is that the Big Ten has its three good teams, doesn't really have any like truly terrible teams like it has in the past, and a lot of teams that are meh but could be competitive. And I think Maryland, uh, and I, excuse not Maryland, but Minnesota and Rutgers are pretty emblematic of that, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there is a, divi- a, a divide between Minnesota and Rutgers um, just because, again, I, I know, you know, top 100, top 150 doesn't mean a lot to your average fan, but um, Minnesota has beaten top 100 teams. They've, they face some quality teams, um, not great, you know, not top 25-ish and knocked them off, but they face some decent competition. Um, so I, I, I think they're at least okay. Um, but yeah, Rutgers has faced absolute garbage for every game of the year, except for the road game at Miami, which coincidentally is the only loss that Rutgers has this year. Um, I, I do think Rutgers is way better than they were last year. Not hard Um, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Not hard to do considering they're arguably the worst last year's team was arguably the worst power five team in, in recent history. Um, so not, not a very high mark to beat. Um, but I do think they're a lot better. I think it, they're obviously going to be harder to beat this year than they were last year. Um, however, yeah, I think things are going to go off the rails in Big Ten play. Um, I expect them probably still to finish with a losing record. Um, we'll, we'll see, obviously, how things turn out. But, yeah, I, I think Rutgers is your typical fraud uh, from non-conference play. I think Minnesota's a little more legit um, just because they have faced at least semi competent competition um but yeah i I do kind of agree i I think minnesota their record they're certainly not as good as that record looks okay and just in case you were wondering maryland plays both minnesota and rutgers twice just in case you realized (laughs) that wanted to know how easy maryland's schedule was in comparison to others they play them both twice so i wanted to get that i wanted to get that out of the way because it's still very hilarious to me that rutgers basketball it's their best start in like since 2000 or something it's crazy um, hey, t- hey, Thomas, I got a question now, too, for you as an outsider uh, from, you know, the Maryland beat and all. You say that, uh, you know, Rutgers is probably like a fraud for, for their strong record and weak non-conference schedule. Obviously, the Maryland isn't going to be the same to that degree. But do you think Maryland at 12-1 and one is a little bit of a, a fraud itself coming in as a one-loss team? Uh, you know, I, I have a little – I have some mixed thoughts on that. Um, I will definitely say that – just generally, the 12-1 and one record, I think, is a little misleading. Um, however, I, I don't think it's as misleading, you know, because uh, I, I don't think Maryland has played the equivalent trash that Rutgers no, has. No, no, no. Of course. Every, every game has been terrible for Rutgers. Um, but, but the thing about Maryland is, you know, as Terp fans know, we've already talked about it some, but they've won so many games in, the, in those close games, but... Uh, normally that would make me very hesitant to buy in, but I'm kind of at the point, you know, it just seems like Maryland wins these games no matter what. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I would say generally speaking, it makes me really cautious about them. But, uh, you know, we said that, what, two years ago uh, when Maryland was like Ken Palm's, you know, top 10 most lucky teams, and they ended up being like second in the Big Ten and almost winning the conference. So, uh 
I don't know. I mean, I I, I think they're a, a decent team, but um, I, I certainly I'm I don't have them on that same tier as the top guys. I guess. <laughs> so you're just you're just as confused as the rest of us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that's what we. That's the kind of analysis we really wanted. You're just as confused <laughs> as everybody else is. I, I I don't I don't think anybody is surprised by that. Uh, that that Georgetown game is still going to be the one I'll re- we'll all remember for years as the. How in the world did Maryland win that game? But neither here nor there. So I want to get into some other teams in the conference and then how Maryland stacks up against them. In terms of the top three, the team that I think Maryland has the best chance of beating, this does not mean I think that they beat them, but I think the team that Maryland has the best chance of beating is Indiana. And the reason why I say that, Indiana is a great team. They, they have that weird loss to Fort Wayne. That's an outlier. It's pretty clear. They demolished North Carolina at home. They, I believe, they also beat Kansas. They're a really good team. The only outlier in that is Maryland gets them at home. And if Maryland could shoot the ball like they did towards the end of the Charlotte game, which is one of the rare times we've seen it, they can keep up with a team like Indiana. Uh, Thomas, do you think that Maryland's best matchup out of, I guess, the three big teams, I think they're going to get destroyed by Purdue because they have no size, but do you think that uh, the best matchup in air quotes against the big teams, and you could throw Michigan State in there too if you want, is against Indiana's just because Maryland's ability to shoot the ball when they're on, they can keep up with anybody in the country? Um, I, I think that, you know, to start off with, I think Indiana is the most vulnerable team uh, for an upset for Maryland, um, particularly just because I, I think Indiana is relatively inconsistent, especially on the road. Um, they rely on James Blackman a lot. Uh, as their outside scoring threat, and you know, if you followed him, he he goes up and down a lot. Um, and, and, and as well, I, I think if you see Indiana play at home in prime time versus how they play on the road, um, I know generally speaking, road games are always tougher. It's those home games, so I, I don't know how representative a win over North Carolina um, is for them, you know, in a road game or or something like that. Um, and then as well, uh, I think Wisconsin's a really seasoned team, so I, I don't think they're going to be that prone for an upset. And as well, uh, you know, Purdue, as you mentioned, the front is just so hard to match up. We got you a little robot voice there at the end, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to make you redo that because <laughs> it was fine. Uh, Matt, what do you think about uh, the matchups against the good teams for for Maryland, do you agree on Indiana? Because I, I, I tend to think just the way that the matchups play out for this particular Terps team, Indiana at home relatively early in conference play is the best chance they're going to get for a quality win, I think, just based on who they on the personnel matchups and otherwise. Yeah, I, I can definitely see why you'd say Indiana, and you know who I'm, of course, going to, to bring up here. Um, Maryland doesn't have Jake Lehman anymore. Uh, and, and guarding a guy like Swanigan or Nigel Hayes and, and the other two big teams is obviously a matchup. You'd probably see Jake on either one, and uh, Maryland's sort of missing that that defensive piece on the wing, and you know maybe Justin Jackson surprises us as that guy, but uh, I think Maryland's going to have a, a difficult time containing either one of those two. I do disagree about you know the, the lack of defensive bigs, though. Um, I think Checo has been, you know, Checo's obviously been a little up and down, but along with Dodd if he comes back and is capable I think the two of them you know would would give guys like Isaac Haas a pretty tough time but I, I agree um, running the floor against Indiana Maryland probably has its biggest strength 
um, mm-hmm. in terms of just guard numbers and and capable shooters. I could definitely see if Maryland's going to beat any of those that any of those three. Indiana probably is that one. Yes. Uh, I want to get Thomas's opinion on this. Hopefully, his robot voice has disappeared. Uh, in terms of the next tier of teams, not the top ones, but the next tier, uh, where do you think Maryland is most liable to slip up? Like their first two home games are against Illinois and Nebraska. Nebraska's had some ugly losses this year. Illinois's got some wins. Y- you don't know a whole lot about them. Maryland again, they get Iowa, Rutgers, Minnesota relatively early on in the conference play. Uh, what kind of team do you think trips Maryland up? Which team specifically? Uh, do you think could trip Maryland up in conference play and give the Terps a surprise? No problem. Um, okay, so, yeah, uh, off the top of my head, as, as far as teams in the middle who I think could pose uh, issues for Maryland, um, you know, the first one that pops up to me, uh team I actually saw earlier tonight, uh, that's Michigan. Um, not necessarily because I, I think Michigan is some super elite team, but uh, they do have, you know, a, a great group of shooters, which obviously can get hot on any given night. So that that's something obviously you're going to be wary of generally. Um, along with Michigan, I, I think Michigan State, just because, you know, as we've talked about, I think they're a lot more talented than they're playing right now, uh, which I think most people would agree on. So I, I, I think they're going to be a tough matchup once they start to hit their uh, – get their ground um and start to hit their stride and the the scary thing about them too is that their rpi is going to be really weak for a long time so if you do lose to them uh it's going to be a a big hit um and then uh on top after those two um no one jumps out too much i'd say illinois just because they're another one of those teams that i think is really inconsistent but when they play well uh they they can knock off some quality units so i i would probably pick out those three and illinois is the first game of the season for maryland in conference play which i guess is not a great thing but it's at home so i guess they could pull off a bit of a surprise and michigan state as we know is the last game for maryland in conference play which inevitably by that point means they'll be a top 10 team because that's just how it works with tom Izzo, right (laughs) yes yes it does i'll go back to you on this matt uh what team in the middle of the conference from what you've seen, do you think is going to give Maryland problems? Or if you can't name any specifically, what generically is going to give Maryland problems? I mean, from a generic standpoint, I think we've seen pretty much the same game over and over again throughout <laughs> the entire non-conference schedule. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Maryland's not going to be able to play this game of catch-up against Big Ten caliber opponents, especially in that middle to upper tier. Um I can see a number of times where if Maryland keeps up this play, they're they're gonna get they're gonna get blown out in a couple of embarrassing losses just because, I mean, even just rewatching the really really slow start against Charlotte from two nights ago, I mean, it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, I oh, mean, just the, from the fact that Dan Dockich was just killing them. That, Honestly, that, was, lot, that was part of it. It was right, lot, but it was still kind of amazing. A lot of, a lot of it was real fair. I mean, Maryland just struggled with basic things again, like boxing out and uh, turnovers were just head-shaking at one point, and, and the team just really looked really young, and like a really inexperienced group, which it is. But 13 games through, you figure that those sort of problems would be shaking out, and 
literally, like I said before, every game has felt the same. Um, I, I was waiting all non-conference schedule for that one time where I was like, wow, Maryland, if they play like that, they're going to be great. And I don't think they've played great in a single game so far. Um, it, they've been really shaky. And, you know, they've been really good in small stretches, but uh, that's not going to get it done. And I, I don't really think it has to do with injury anymore because we see, we've seen the team complete at some points. And I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely a little worried heading into and into the Big Ten schedule and, uh, you know, I think they're going to trip up in a few of those middle tier games. Okay, so uh, I, we're going out for now that we've seen most of out of conference play. There are some isolated games here and there that still have to be played. Uh, Thomas, where do you think Maryland ends up finishing in conference play overall? And then, do you think that that what they will have by that point will be enough to get them into the NCAA tournament? Well, I I think they're probably going to end up. Finishing finishing fifth or sixth, um, just because, you know, I, as you guys well know, really young, really inexperienced. And I do, as much as I'm hesitant, I do think that those close games are going to bite them a little bit and, you know, come back to bite them a little bit, I should say. Um, but I, so as I said, fifth or sixth, I'm guessing, I think they're going to be right on the bubble just because, uh, as I mentioned, you know, earlier, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble adding quality wins um, just because, that Big Ten schedule is, you know, favorable, but doesn't have a lot of top-end uh, opponents. So I, I think the big indicator will be, can they knock off Indiana or Purdue or Wisconsin, one of those three? If they can, I think they're going to get in. Um, and if they can't, I, I think it they could end up coming short, especially if, you know, they theoretically drop to, you know, a Nebraska and Illinois or Penn State or, or something. Well, that's not Illinois, but Nebraska, Penn State, or Rutgers, or someone like that. Which is entirely conceivable, all things considered. But even if Maryland does get to 20 wins, which would mean they'd have to get eight wins in conference play, and I don't think that's that difficult. Even if they get to 20, do you still think, and their wins aren't great, do you still think they could get left out? Because I still, I, I know that there's a lot with the selection committee and how they pick teams, but a 20-win team being left out is something that it still wouldn't really register with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it's it, it's possible, but the one case sample I would give is Ohio State last year. Um, I don't know what their record ended up being exactly, uh, but they had a winning record in conference play. They actually finished pretty high, but they had two rough losses in non-con, which obviously Maryland does not have. But uh, they they had a, a very favorable schedule similar to Maryland where they like beat everyone, but they couldn't get any quality wins, and it ended up biting them. I obviously I think Maryland's in a better situation than they are. They don't have those those two bad losses, but uh, you know I, I I think they really have to knock off at least one of the the big three. If they get one of those big three, I think they'll be fine. But um, mm. I do think it could be really tight if they don't. They were twenty and thirteen if you include the Big Ten tournament last year. Okay, which is yeah. which is I I think Maryland could get somewhere in that vicinity, maybe a few more wins. It's all possible. Uh, Matt, where do you think Maryland ends up finishing? Since you're taking a more fatalistic approach than Thomas is, which is surprising. Usually you're the one who's like, okay, guys, don't worry. The things might work themselves out. Uh, but your, your tune has changed a bit. Yeah. Um, I, st- I do still agree with Thomas that fifth and fifth or sixth in that range is, is probably realistic. Um, yeah, I'm coming in a little more pessimistic than usual just because – um, I'm still pretty disappointed in, in Maryland's performance in, 
its last few games. You figure by by this time things would be figured out and just, you know, they haven't. And some of it's even just on effort standpoint. Um, having, again, I just, I, just, I just watched the Charlotte game for the first time because it was during graduation. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, fifth, fifth, sixth is realistic. I do think Maryland's going to be one of those bubble teams. Maybe, maybe they'll um, work up. Again, maybe because you know you know the the couple of upsetting losses are probably coming. But if they can pick up a big win against Indiana or a team like that, maybe they can offset it. But yeah, I think Maryland's going to be around that bubble range, uh, one of the last few in or or one of the last few out. Can you imagine Maryland fans watching a first four game? No, oh, <laughs> I, I don't, God, I, that'd be the ultimate poison chalice, don't you think? Uh, yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, just for your sake and Ryan's sake, maybe not. Uh, Thomas, who ends up winning the Big Ten in your estimation? You know, yeah, I mean, I, I, will, I will just start out with saying, you know, some uh, safe talk, I guess, here. But uh, I, I think those, the top three, I think, are very close. Um, you know, I, again, if you're a believer in Ken Palm, they're separated by like three or four spots uh, total. So I, I think they're very close grouped together. Um, as I said, I don't buy Indiana quite as much as the other two just because I think they're they're going to be more inconsistent. Um, as of now, I think I would lean with Wisconsin just because I think they're going to be steady and across the board. But uh, I will definitely say if Caleb Swan again can keep up what he's doing lately, uh, Purdue is going to be really tough to beat um, in conference play. So I, I, I think it's going to be – oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you about that too, Thomas. I mean, you've you've been able to watch a lot more games than than the rest of us uh, from the entirety of the Big Ten. But uh, are you believing in Caleb Swan again? I mean, this is a guy we kind of knocked for a little bit as as a slow and and definitely an inconsistent guy. Are, are you buying him as the star of that team and and Purdue being able to you know maintain play behind him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am definitely or the the Caleb Swanigan train, which uh, Boilermakers. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think he's a, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, he has just really improved his game. And, and the big thing he's doing less, less of this year is he's not taking as many of those just awful shots that he took last year, um, where he just suddenly decided he was going to try to be Steph Curry or something. Um, but, uh, he, he still does it once in a while, but he's really focused on hitting the boards, scoring inside, which is his game. Um, and he can do great at the college level. Um, I, I honestly, I think he's the Big Ten Player of the Year right now. Which you know, obviously, we're very, very early in this whole process, but uh, I think he's on that level. And I, I honestly think he should at least be in the National Player of the Year conversation. I think he's been that good. And that's an interesting. It's an interesting. I can't wait to see how he just destroys Maryland inside. And that's no offense to Dodd or Checo or even Bender. It's just going to be. Caleb Swanigan had some decent games against Maryland when they had bigs last year, so it's going to be an interesting meeting when Maryland plays Purdue. Uh, and the final question for you, Thomas, and again, we thank you so much for spending some time with us previewing the conference season, despite the robot voice and it all. Uh, over under on Rutgers' total wins this season, not conference, total, I'm going to go, and, and Minnesota. So I'm going to go with 14 for both teams. Do they exceed those? Um, I will say Minnesota does. Um, I will say Rutgers. Oh, man. Over they'd have to win three games. Yeah, they'd have to win three games to get there. I'm going to have some angry family members uh, on the Rutgers side 
if, if they don't get the three. But uh, do you think that they can do it? I mean, again, they play nobody, and we, we beat up on them all the time because they're an easy punching bag. But it's nice to see them have double-digit wins and at least look somewhat competent for once. Uh, but does do you think it, does they anybody can... know how many times they play Nebraska and Penn State? That's, that's I what I need to know. I will take a look at that for you <laughs> right now. Uh, they play Penn State I think they twice. get a mutual Yep. They play Penn State twice, and, and Nebraska, Nebraska once, and that game's at home. They'd have to sweep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they're gonna do it. I think oh, they're gonna do it. Oh, that's a big statement. <laughs> that's a big statement. I'm gonna eat my words for this. Uh, <laughs> when you come on right before the Big Ten tournament, and we have that podcast, we'll look back on all the things we said tonight as really, really silly and kind of stupid in hindsight. But hey, actually. I now have a final, final question for you, Thomas. And again, thank you for being here. And I'm repeating myself because I've run out of things to say except for this question. Uh, what Big Ten team has the best chance of winning a national championship, becoming the first team since, I'm not saying Maryland in 2002 because that doesn't count, Michigan, and, mm-hmm. Michigan State in 2000 to win the national championship out of the Big Ten? Um, you know, I, I know I just, I've been kind of criticizing them a little bit, but I honestly think it's in. Indiana, um, just because I, I think they're the most talented, you know, mixed with experience of anyone in the conference. And I think ultimately in the NCAA tournament, it's usually the most talented teams that end up winning out. Um, so I, I think I'd go with Indiana. But again, I, I would put a little bit of an asterisk on there just because um, the level Caleb Swanigan is at, I don't anticipate him totally staying on this level. But if he stays on this level, I, I think Purdue absolutely is the number one contender. After what happened in the tournament last year, I'm so I'm so <laughs> surprisingly so yeah. hesitant to, to <laughs> go on that bandwagon now because of what happened a year ago. Uh, I, I I'm still feeling the the ill effects from that one. But anyway, <laughs> I think we I think we all there aren't many big teams that I'm terrified of in conference play, but. You know, conference play as, as opposed to uh, getting to the NCAA tournament. There aren't those like Georgetown and Vanderbilt that I'm like, you better stay the heck away from. But regardless of that, thank you so much, Thomas. And remind everybody where they can find your work and where they can hear your podcast. Uh, you can check out all of our stuff on btpowerhouse.com. We cover uh, Big Ten basketball. Uh, primarily men's we do a little bit of women's coverage but uh again main, mainly uh, men's basketball um you can follow me on twitter at t bendit uh bt powerhouse at bt powerhouse um, and our, our podcast is on there uh if you search in any of the popular you know podcast apps uh just bt powerhouse we should pop up and and uh got a, a lot of great content up there lately so check it out <laughs> yeah, matt has been on that show before he will probably be on it again and it's a great show, and you should be listening to it just to get your brains refreshed on what Big Ten Conference basketball is like because it's been a while, and Maryland's got an 18-game romp that goes from December 27th uh, to the beginning of March, which is going – the conference play is always fun when you get to Maryland because there are overreactions like crazy. But we wouldn't have it any other way, right? Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening to all of our shows this year. No matter what's been going on in the world, we're still recording. We will record as long as we can. This podcast has been great this season, going through all the ups and downs and craziness in Maryland sports, and we will be back after the turn of the new year to recap the Quick Lane Bowl, the first two conference games for the men, women's game against Connecticut, whole bunch of stuff. 
and we get you set for the run into the winter as conference play for both basketball teams heats up. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Thomas. Thanks to all of you for listening to Ryan, Thomas, Alex, everybody who's been on the show this year. We've had a lot of fun. Have a happy holidays. Happy New Year. We will see you on the other side with episode 70, and let's make next year as good, if not a better year for this podcast than this one. But do not forget, go Terps. Thank you.